Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this latest version of uh, Tales, Tales from Outer Space, where I take an HFY story from somewhere around the internet and read it aloud for your enjoyment. All the relevant links are down below. Like, subscribe, and all that YouTube comf to help this video and channel grow. Anyways, as always, I hope that you enjoy. I would just like to thank the following tier 5 patrons and channel members for supporting the channel. Fallen Angel. Buzz Kennington, Data Magnet, and Bob the Dragon. Thank you again, and now on to the story. Story number one, Meeting the Gods, written by Admiral Marsupial Three. Latura had an uneasy feeling. For 250,000 years, she had attended the gatherings, welcoming each new race and their patron to the galactic stage. Every time, it had been a joyous occasion, but something about these humans had her on edge. 300,000 years ago, the follower of Tuscuria, a god of science and learning, and the late Armin's patron, had reached the stars and spoken to their god. With his guidance, they learned that their beginning, that there were gods of the universe. Although these gods were benevolent, they couldn't agree on how the universe should proceed. Each god tried to shape it to their own image, and nothing but chaos reigned. So a deal was made. Each of the gods went to their own part of the universe and nurtured their own planet. The denizens of this world would be how the patrons would interact with the universe. Discurio was showed them the location of this new pantheon, the only place where the beings of the universe could interact with the gods from beyond their veil. For each race would meet their patron and welcome the new race as they reached the stars. The Tura had been the first to meet the Scuria, and, with the immortality it granted her, had been at the new pantheon for the greeting of every new race. She looked at the assembled races who waited for the humans and their patron, Guyana, the god of life with the interior race he guided to the stars and bioships, Consta, god of order and peace, with the attack who helped the weak and the struggling, these two had been next to ascend, following the Omnians 50,000 and 60,000 years later, respectively. Since then, almost a hundred more had joined, from Flashover, God of Speed, to Carnilla, God of Pleasure, all the way up to latest edition not 1,000 years ago, Brasseth, God of Games. And now, everyone was trying to work out who the next one would be which made Brothsus' representative Altwerp very happy. The betting pool he had set up was going crazy, and the bets spread across so many eventualities he was winning bigger than any punter, no matter what the new patron was. From what was known of the humans, the bets had ranged from everything from Immobilus, god of endurance, to Olmakdon, god of agriculture. But Lechura couldn't shake an uneasy feeling. And, as the humans entered the main chamber of the new pantheon, and it expanded to accommodate the new patron throne, Natura looked at the divine entrance with a knot in her stomach. It was much worse than she imagined. The divine entrance opened. The first thing everyone saw was a dark white flames, giving off bright black smoke, and a terrifying being strode through the door. Rigid wings clamped to its back as chains flowed freely around it, its grayish blue skin radiating heat that made everyone in the new pantheon shiver. 
in Smangcha, the god of chaos. Born in the chaotic maelstrom, the gods created in the beginning before the deal. It looked at the assembled races and screeched in its booming voice. You thought your deal would rescue your universe from me. That without your bickering I would cease to be. No, you may have cut me off from the universe directly. But I survived. I found my own corner of the universe and created my own representatives. Unlike you who wrapped your children in padding, I chose to forge them in a harsh death well, having them fight against their very home to scrape out an existence. And when they had conquered that planet and everything on it, I turned them against the only worthy opponent they had left, each other. And then I spread to the stars. And unlike your coddling weaklings, I didn't rush them here so that they could live a fat and weak in comfort. I left them to fight the cold expanse of space themselves, threw asteroids and supernovas at them, and made them recover on their own. And still they spread through the stars. Those that survive now are hardened avatars of chaos that will once again tear down all you, old dear. The humans had been known as a tough martial race, but this new revelation put all their history in a much more terrifying light. The humans moved forward from the spot under Ismancha, separating into groups that approached each of the assembled patrons. Byrne represented Valconelia, froze in fear as the largest group of humans approached him. He knew he was doomed. Watching his munchers turning of the human history, he saw that although they were a young race, leaving them alone to face the cold void for a thousand years after their ascension to the heavens, had hardened them into a force the ascended races didn't stand a chance when they attacked. The human reached Vern as he looked into the eyes of the Avatar of Chaos. Nothing in all of his visions of destruction and pain that was flashing through his mind could predict what these destroyers made flesh would say next. Can we join you? Our god seems to be a little bit of a dick. End of story. Story number two. The Sleeper, written by Digital 332006. Senior Officer Talar could barely hide his excitement from the rest of the crew. He practically floated in the mid-air from the sheer optimism emanating from his mood. It was to be expected, however, as his name would likely go down in the history forever, due to the discovery of his. They had told him that there wasn't anything here, and if he had been an ounce less persistent, this find wouldn't have been possible. He'd run the sensor check three times, adjusting for every possible permutation of residual gamma detection until he had landed a hit, to think that they'd found a still-living precursor. Deep under the surface, in a small type of bunker, they had found a room full of ancient precursor technology. What boggled the mind, however, was the various eras of technology present. The bunker itself was highly advanced, indicating that it was built in the last 200 years of the precursor's time before they vanished. But inside, many pieces of equipment dated back to a solid seven to eight hundred years before the bunker's construction. 
how or why would the precursors use such an outdated technology when more recent things were available? The bunker had kept most of the equipment in excellent condition. They were confident that some of it might even work if provided power. The biggest find, however, was at the far side of the room where a living precursor was still alive. Granted, it was in a cryopod of this moment. A cryopod that they had no idea how to open without harming the precious precursor inside, but the hope was all that they needed. Indeed, many would venerate this being for simply existing, since it was them who seeded life elsewhere in the galaxy, according to most archaeological evidence. They were essentially the universe's parents, so to speak. For now, the Iteran government had been keeping this a secret, but news would come out eventually. Drawing unwanted attention over the find, and as such, time was of the essence. It took three teams working around the clock a little over two weeks to learn how to operate the console. Even by precursor standards, this was ancient technology, making any examples they currently possessed almost useless in trying to reverse engineer this particular one. We're ready whenever you are, sir answered one of the aides. Do it, came back to Lars' reply. The moment was finally at hand. The precursor cryopod decompressed and slowly awoke its inhabitant. Oh, what words of wisdom would this ancient being that had been there in the age of glory have to share with them? What advancements would they help by giving them insights into the way their technologies worked? Perhaps now they would be able to create new artificial intelligence. Precursor AI being above their skill to replicate successfully, and awfully in short supply after all these years. He always wondered how the precursors made the AI so harmful. Homicidal was the only word that could be described when the recent AI tests had been. Like a hundred-year-old military canned ration, the bond hissed and the glass door slowly raised itself, the coolant creating a fine mist obscuring the precursor's body. The crew held its breaths, waiting for something to happen. None dared move or blink, so as to not miss the moment. A voice croaked from the mist and coughed twice. Just five more minutes. <clears throat> the precursor paused before resuming. Is it 2358 yet? The law moved forward to step and looked at the being. It was slightly over two meters tall, with long, elongated limbs, just like the records portrayed them. Some blue fabric enveloped most of his body, except for his extremities. Not sure what frame of reference that is using, but it is currently star date 34007.6, replied the chief science officer. The human blinked and rubbed its eyes, adjusting to the light and the warmer room temperature. Look, is Half-Life 3 out yet? I, uh, I have no idea. Let me check, replied Talar, before turning to one of his aides and signaling him to look it up in the database. The aide interfaced with the database and then shook his head negatively. Um, he cursed inwardly. If it was the first thing the precursor asked for after coming back to consciousness, it must have been rather important, and they could not find anything related to it. I'm sorry. It appears we have nothing on record that matches the... Then fuck off, came back the abrupt reply from the human. The human extended out an arm, tapping a few keys on the console, and returned inside the cryopod, 
to the stunned stupefaction of everyone present. Should we, um, open it again? asked one of the chief scientist's aides. Upon further reflection, no, I don't think that would be a good idea. We should let him rest, replied a dejected Talar, packing up his equipment to leave. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this video. I hope that you enjoyed, and if you do, please consider supporting the author, even by popping over and leaving a thumbs up or a nice comment, just to show your appreciation for the story. However, if you wish to support this channel, there are links down below which will help immensely. I will see you all in the next one, and until then, I hope that you have a fantastic day. Cheers.